Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of the Stolen Science Podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Kendall Gilmet here with Harry Pavlidis. Hello, Harry. Hello. Try not to be disruptive. Thank you. Uh, we have been gone for so long. But we um, weren't, not totally. Not we, totally. We, we, we were, had some technical problems. We did. Uh, By we, trying to fix a problem. Yes, we were trying to um, maximize our audio capabilities. And in fact, we minimized our uh, podcast production abilities and right. um, lost an episode. We haven't lost it. You keep saying that. I have it. You know what? You know what we could do? We could just put it out as is, and it won't make any sense. That might be oh, interesting. I'm not going to do that. Anyway. I'm gonna, uh, I want to snip highlights out of it. But anyways. We had... Uh, Welcome to episode 23. We're on episode 23 now. Uh, and today, we have... Tonight, today, this morning, in the middle of the night, in your car, on your run, wherever you are, uh, we have Sam Miller from ESPN. Uh, New York Times best-selling author Sam Miller, um, although he's not going to talk about that at all. Uh, but he yeah. wrote an article yeah. talking about baseball statistic evaluation, so evaluating baseball stats, and uh, we talk about that a little bit. And yeah, because that's a very near and dear thing. It's kind of what we do around here. Yeah, um, it's like perfect. Kind yeah. Of. When you sent it, I was like, oh. It's kind of like, have you seen Sam's most recent article? And I was like, no. And Kendall sent to me, I was like, oh, this is, I can see why this came up. Because it's very much uh, like, like if we were good at what we did, that's that we would, that's what we would do. Yeah, we would have already done that. But, <laughs> but Sam is better at it. So I think um, for my, uh, my two cents, Sam is um, top of the heap for uh, baseball writing. I think he is the cat's pajamas. Um, yeah, he's great. He really does some interesting and fun stuff and does it in a very human way. And uh, I appreciate that. So uh, I'm a big fan of Sam's. But I, I've enjoyed his work. I've enjoyed working with him, which I feel very, very fortunate, like working with people like him because they ask really good questions and it helps me ask better questions. So when I talk to other people about Sam, that is a common refrain that uh, he has contributed a lot to a lot of different people uh, professionally. So uh, good, good stuff. Uh, so we were glad to have Sam on. We are glad to have Sam on. He's on yeah. coming up. So we talked about his pop times article and we also talked about uh, command as well. Yes. So some and things and, field. <laughs> and, <laughs> and a very brief array in the track and field. So, um, I'm, 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 I'm going to, I'll be better. So like, I'll be better. Harry's working on things. Um, and while he does that, <laughs> you can, uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Um, that's where you get podcasts. If you get it somewhere else, um, just download it. I don't think you can rate and review it other places, but anyway, do that. Follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Definitely follow the Twitter account. So I haven't really stolen underscore signs. Uh, would love some conversation or feedback or anything like that you can hit us up via email although people don't really do that but if you want to we probably would read it on the show because we don't get very much email stolen underscore signs at baseballperspectus.com but uh we will be back shortly 
with Sam Miller to talk about baseball statistics. Stick around. All right, everybody, we are here with Sam Miller from ESPN. Hello, Sam. Yo, hello. Welcome to Stolen Sign, Sam. Thanks very much. What episode number? 23. 23. 23. Without any kept out. No, no doubt about it. Yeah, we were very definitively 23. It's the Michael Jordan episode, which will also be episode 45. Never heard of him. Hmm. Never heard of him. I know LeBron is number 23. LeBron, yeah, LeBron um, had a favorite baseball player. Obscure guy played in the minor leagues, played for Birmingham. Okay. Jordan did Jordan wear forty five or twenty three in the for baseball? I don't remember. I don't know what he wore in baseball to be honest with you, but I know that he you know only briefly wore that forty five for like a partial season, right? This says uh, this says he wore forty five with the Barons. There we go. So there it is. That's why he so he kept his baseball number upon mm-hmm. his return to the NBA. See, I never actually knew that, and uh, and I've watched that. Uh, that what's that a 30 30 on him a couple times i've never taken note of his uniform number maybe you will next time you watch it i will well probably won't so sam you have been writing and uh (laughs) i have been reading what you've been writing specifically um i think it's your most recent article about uh pop times and baseball statistics evaluation I thought that that was a interesting look at how to think about stats when you are thinking about them um, on a more meta or esoteric level, not necessarily the specific statistic, but how one evaluates a statistic. Do you want to how kind they of, categorize it and how they use it? Yeah. Do you want to kind of frame out what you talked about? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, actually I, um, have thought about writing an article like this uh, before. Um, I've thought about writing it about tunneling, uh, which has been a statistic that I've uh, sort of struggled to, to use in part because I've s- sort of struggled to categorize it. I haven't been able to really figure out whether I think that it is a descriptive stat that tells me about a pitcher's style or if it's a kind of a, a evaluative stat that tells me how good a pitcher is and It's the the former, I think, without any question. uh, Yeah, well, that's what I keep every time I dig into it, thinking, "Oh, I'm going to write about, uh, you know, Dylan Batonsis and his tunneling." And like, I really like, I'm going to do it. Like, I I get my, I get my plate set, I start getting everything ready, and then at the end, I feel like I still don't know whether I can say Dylan Batonsis is good because tunneling, and then I get frustrated and move on to something easier. And pop times seemed like a, uh, a statistic that I have a, a, a little bit more of a grasp on, and that so does the average person. Uh, well, let's work and, through the let's work through pop times together here and review that, and then perhaps we can tackle the tunnels. Yeah, we can. So, uh, so the the idea behind this piece is that, uh, that there's uh, new stats coming out every year. Uh, we get more data, but we also uh, find new ways to use data. Uh, and for a uh, 
you know, for a fan or for a writer, even for somebody who's, uh, you know, pretty into it all, uh, there's um, kind of a learning curve with every stat. And um, it used to be really easy for me when I was um, just a guy who was getting baseball prospectus annuals mailed to me at, um, you know, in the early part of the previous decade, because uh, I could use stats, uh, however limitedly or really even irresponsibly as I wanted to. <laughs> no, nobody cared. They were primarily a uh, weapon for winning arguments or, uh, or for answering a, a fairly simple question of, like, will this guy help my fantasy team? Um, and um, the, the, you know, older I've gotten and the more I've uh, used this stuff, uh, you know, in a hopefully responsible public way, the more I've had to kind of uh, be careful about whether I'm just using a stat as a, um, you know, narrative tool to advance something that uh, I want to prove. And, um, and that's, it's easy to do. It's easy to use almost every stat uh, wrong if you want to. Um, and so, uh, so I thought I would kind of just go through the process of how I try to think about a new stat, how I, I would think that we should try to think about a new stat um, to really dig into its limitations uh, and to figure out what its purpose is, what question it answers, and uh, kind of why it exists in the world. Uh, and, um, and so that's what I did with Pop Times. So, you, what are, so there's ways, there's more than those two ways, like descriptive versus evaluative is that the term you use or yeah that is so, uh that is one of the terms i use yeah yeah so so what did you how did you categorize pop times uh and, so and, and why so i concluded that there are basically 11 categories of statistics uh <laughs> this reminds me of when max marchie came up with 28 or something different pitch types <laughs> uh oh that's a yeah remember, that's a good, I, you know what we yeah. I want to do. Uh, I've been meaning to get to an article on the X number of ball players there are. Like, how many different ball players can you basically say? Well, he's a Zobrist. Like, how many? How many different types? The player are there? archetype. How the many? Player, uh, yeah, I want to categorize. What is our set of archetypes? Wow. In In the meantime, though, I came up with eleven types of uh, of stats uh, from you know the very first, which are just your basic counting stats. But but even even a basic counting stat, like uh, a lot of things. Like barrels is a counting stat, right? Uh, it's just a more, um, you know, it's a, it uses different data, but it's a counting stat. Uh, so anyway, from from the very first counting stats uh, all the way down to uh, what I called non uh, non neutral descriptive information, uh, which is uh, basically information that tells you how a baseball player does his job. It doesn't necessarily tell you how well he does it, uh, right. but it, it might. So, like, uh, release point consistency is something that um, we, uh, we, you know, you, you might notice that a pitcher has good release point consistency. You'll probably use it in your profile of the guy who's breaking out this year because he's got great command. But uh, it's, like, not a perfect one-to-one -one relationship, and it's not entirely clear that every pitcher should have that and, and all of that sort of thing. So, anyway. Uh, well, some, of them, some of them are Bronson and Roy on the whole thing is to not have. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, uh, so pop times are uh, what I uh, called a uh, category four stat, uh, which is uh, scouting uh, scouting stats. Basically, they describe a player's physicality, um, and often those overlap with uh, category ten and eleven, which are semi-neutral descriptive information and probably non-neutral descriptive information. 
Uh, so that's why I was going to say this is totally handy and not unwieldy at all. Just <laughs> I don't know who read this section, but I'm guessing it's a small portion of the readers, to be Sam, honest. This Sam, is... do you have a, a wristband with it written out on the wristband? <laughs> <It's like> <laughs> <laughs> flip it open. Is this a ten? Uh, I touch my nose. It's a ten or a four. So pop time is a. The, a the fact that four and ten and eleven are similar bothers I me. Mean, this shouldn't it be on like on a continuum or from. From like uh, this is the player's heart rate to this is his, uh, you know, yeah, ro- uh, batting runs produced. Yeah, like, you could make the case that four, ten, and eleven should that ten and eleven should be all under four. But really, you could make the case that nine, ten, and eleven should all be under four. But it's basically uh, the the last the last phase of. Uh, or the most recent phase of development, which is mm-hmm. uh, having StatCast and PitchFX and uh, basically being able to describe every aspect of the player's movement in a very precise way instead okay. of what scouting, uh, objective scouting stats always mm-hmm. were, which is like kind of like a observed by human eyes or stopwatches. But they're very similar, and that's why I ended up with 4, 10, and 11. So pot times are something that tells you very specifically what a catcher's physical act was. Yeah. But it does not tell you necessarily how successful he was at achieving his objective, which is throwing out a base runner. Uh, they're very limited in, in that way. And so when pot times were rolled out in um, in early March, Satcast pot times were rolled out in early March, one of the first things that uh, a person might have noticed uh, is that uh, well, wrote, the first thing was that they're not pop times. They're not. They're slightly adjusted because uh, uh, sometimes the middle infielder will uh, will come in front of the bag right. to field the ball, uh, and that causes problems. Uh, well, this is, I think, a very cool point, because it's like, is that, a, first of all, it's like, the convention is problematic, because they're trying to go glove to glove. And I think it's strange that they claim that was the problem, because based on the t- way these tracking systems works, they're, done, they're probably not going to have a clean signal of the ball reaching the fielder, so it's always an estimate to the fielder in some degree, because you also don't know where the fielder's glove is. You kind of you know where the ball's track stopped. That's not necessarily where the ball stopped. It's where the track stopped. Uh, so, but, so I kind of like that they've done this fixed point thing. Yeah, they well, if they didn't, you would have a, there. There are some. So this not going to affect scouting as just the same. I mean, scouts aren't. They're saying pop glove to glove, so they're not. You know. Yeah, I, I would say that probably scouts pop times. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that Snapcast pop times um, are missing very important context on every throw, and I would say that scouts pop times would have all of those same problems, except for uh, on top of that, you have a lot less precision. Mm-hmm. So if if your goal is to measure, uh, you know, the speed with which a catcher does the exchange exchange and the velocity that the catcher has on his throw. You really can't do any better than StatCast. And the pop time that scouts have always used is kind of a proxy for those two things. Now, the problem is that those two things are not near... I wouldn't say it's the problem, but the limitation is that those two things are not nearly the entire uh, process of eliminating the running game. And what scouts were able to do, because they were doing all these things individually, is use human judgment to evaluate all the other contexts, such as where the pitch is or how fast the runner is going or where the throw was or what role the infielder played uh, in 
uh, coming out to get the ball and, uh, and all those sorts of things. Um, and so the limitations of these two small parts of it, well, there's not small, so they're significant, but they're two parts of the whole process are what StatCast can measure extremely well, uh, but without allowing you necessarily the human judgment that comes from filling out a report based on every, uh, you know, every throw that you're on, if that makes sense. It does. It does. I think. I, so the, 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 yeah. So what I, the the sort of first thing that I noticed when these um, when these data came out in in March is that they they have it broken up into uh, pop time on successful stolen bases and pop time on unsuccessful stolen bases, um, and somewhat counterintuitively, the most catchers' pop times are faster on successful stolen bases than on unsuccessful ones. So like when they throw a runner out, their average pop time is slower than when they fail to throw a runner out, which at first is like, that's really weird. And that's what gets your attention. And that's what tells you with like a big flashing light, oh, I haven't thought this through enough as a, as a consumer. Spe- they're speeding up their effort. Exactly. They're cheating yeah, or which, they're desperate well, they're, or they're, they're, they're prioritizing. Up. They're prioritizing. Right, like if I go practice. my normal speed, it will be too yeah. slow to throw them out. So exactly. I will speed up my motions, which may cost me an accuracy. It's typical, that's just typically a speed accuracy trade-off in these things. So uh, you all, but, but you, yeah. you will, you will trade the trade-off is worthwhile because if slow and accurate, it's not going to do it. That is exactly right. It, it, you're also trading off by the way, your uh, ability to, to give the umpire a good look at the pitch, but uh, the catchers, mm-hmm. if we assume that they're rational actors, uh, they say the trade-off is worth it, and so uh, so it would be kind of uh, kind of odd to say, oh well, he he failed uh, in this case because his pop time was slower if the pop time was in time to get the runner, and that's all. Um, like once you think through the stat, all of that stuff becomes very clear to you, and it's not a problem with pop times at all. Uh, it is a kind of inherent limitation that you need to kind of account for when you're thinking about, well, what does this leaderboard mean? What am I looking at? So this is one of the and you talked about this in um, some ways in your article about the, the running stats that we created at, at BP. So we look at success rate above average, which is you know, how, how much, how often on, you, on, your, on an attempt is the runner safe be above average. So for a catcher, you want it to be a negative number. Uh, means they're throwing guys out, and then we also have takeoff rate above average. So same thing. We want the catcher. You want it to be negative. You want you want guys to hold runners in effect just by being behind the plate. And this might be because they're throwing behind the runner. Might just be their reputation, um, and may not. You know. So it's, there's definitely a relationship to skill and also seniority. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely something to that where. So we give you points and if, you know runs in effect for you know throwing guys out or not throwing guys out, um, and we also give you runs for stopping guys from going. So if you have a t- takeoff rate as a catcher, that's better than average, you know, minus negative. Uh, we'll give you some runs for what the you know the league steal percentage would be for those guys, um, and. That's handy 
because it gives you a little extra, you know, it's not a lot. We're talking about like an extra scrape, a few pennies of value. Um, but it tells you who's who's getting a little extra benefit from their, whatever they're doing, how they're calling the game, how they're, you know, what the reputation is. They're, they're stopping guys from going. But for the guys who like, mistakenly let too many guys go, where we, we don't give you any deduction for your takeoff rate. Because if you're a good thrower or a bad thrower, you're going to get some points, you know, could take runs taken away from you or given to you based on the actual success rate. So the two stats together, it's kind of weird. Like they both Im- impact the run values that we give catchers, but, on- but only one of them only does in one direction because otherwise it'd be redundant. But the, yeah, I think the, the whole package is right though. Cause then you have the idea of like who's stopping guys from going, who's throwing guys out. And then what is this physical attribute? I think that that's more of the physical attribute, the baseball skill thing where it explains the performance. It's not the performance. So like a leaderboard on pop time should correspond with our metrics and other catching metrics. And I think that's probably the metrics themselves may be more important in terms of like, you're not going to give a guy a run value based on his pop time. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And there is a well, that pretty... was a very long way of me saying that. That one, <laughs> that one pity point. And, yeah, and there, there, there does seem to be a pretty good relationship between pop time and throwing runs at VP. So maybe, uh, maybe this is a good way to think about this, young Samuel. Um, <laughs> that, that do you put a run value on it? Like you put a run value on tunneling. Uh, yeah, that. Um, like that, that is a good way to think about it uh, in sort of it's sort of a good way to think about it I, I mean, think there's like the perform what it's what you performed yeah as is important to describe um, these these measures may be very helpful in predicting which is a totally separate question yeah you so, could you could put a run value on everything it's just no but i don't think you can <laughs> well he's a responsible okay yes thank you uh, no, but, I don't, but i don't think you could i don't think you could say like i i don't think i could de- derive a change in game state based on a guy's tunneling numbers mm-hmm. or other or, or cross or, pitch or cross pitchers yeah or, or pop time right because it doesn't tell me if it's accurate or how fast the run it's like it's just so you're right it's your you could you know and like there's this like thing like turning launch angles and velocities into you know into into bat you know expected batting averages and stuff like that it's like to me that's a little weird it's like that's that that's like describing what happened not it's how it happened it's not what happened yeah like putting a, a run value on somebody's um bat speed or like like you're saying like exit velocity or whatever like that's it doesn't seem like a good application of right but you might put it into your projection system that tells you how much you might value that player how much a contract would offer them and and but that raw stuff may influence performance either current or future but like because it certainly influenced the past performance but it's not necessarily something you can nail down with the run value i don't think it's tricky because, like the the thing about throwing runs, for instance, is that um, you wouldn't put a run value on throwing runs if you only had you know four games to look at. 
right? Even even Why something not? like throwing runs, you need to have uh, a you know a nice sample. It takes a while before. Yeah, but so what? So I do so, have runs. They're just point zero 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 one. They're right. still, so, still so, runs. So if you're evaluating Yvonne Rodriguez's career, then throwing runs is 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 great. And and if he has the world's worst pop times. I mean, he doesn't. But if he did, uh, it wouldn't matter, right? Because he threw everybody out. Uh, but if you had, uh, you know, if you're three weeks into the season and you're curious to know, uh, you know, something about, uh, you know, Yadier Molina's, uh, you know, development, uh, aging, or, or if you're curious. Yeah, so you're, to talking know about, about, you're, talk, you're talking about using it for projection. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's got it's got a potentially evaluative, but even things like this could have evaluative potential. We, we certainly uh, try, but I think we probably uh, overdo it. I don't it. think you want to have like a descriptive backward-looking stat based on these things. I wouldn't have one. Well, so like, do you remember when Mike Fast found uh, basically found the relationship between pitcher velocity, you know, fastball velocity, and and runs allowed, and and like he came up with some rule of thumb that like uh, you know every every yeah 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 and people, and people have been doing that and like going crazy with that stuff without considering anything else, and I think that's bad. It's pro- so it's it's the question is whether it orients you towards something true, and if it does, then how far can you use it before you're using it to serve your own blog? It's a post? useful right. Well, it's a useful tool, but it's also again the notion of I would say looking at least looking back that like that that's that's not a great way to analyze fastball velocity and the impact saying you know, and it comes up all the time. Like every mile per hour fastball is worth you know point something. You know, VRA or da da da. We all want to boil it down to that thing, but but that's like within that. There's between group and within pitcher. You know, there's there's between and within var- you know pitcher variance. So it's like this is like describing the the population. It may not be useful necessarily for an individual, and it may and it may not really be useful to evaluate guys. Like if you just said, you know, I mean, this is why people and myself included missed on Kyle Hendricks. He simply does not throw fast enough to matter. Like, according to, like, and you could pull out all those things. He's like, look, he's three and a half miles an hour below, or four miles below the league average for a right-handed pitcher. That's a lot. That's that's .4 runs a game. Um, so we all do that kind of um, internally anyways, and that's fine. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. okay. But the danger is, like, if we if we keep stacking these things up, like, what's this, this worth? What's that worth? And it's like, it's more... It's, like, it's not very holistic. I don't think that's. I don't think it necessarily added too much into our understanding of pitching. Maybe added a little to it, but I don't think it's useful as a tool. Because the end of the year fastball velocity isn't. I mean, Ryan Dern would have had a great career if that's all that mattered. It's like there's there's things that like it's like it doesn't work that way. It's like all else being equal. And that's just like, and we're talking about everything else being like, and to the point of it, of it be almost being meaningless. Yeah. It's better to throw hard. How much better is it? Well, it depends. Some pitchers don't need to add velocity. Some pitchers won't benefit by it. Some pitchers will succeed without it. Some pitchers will be fine at 92. Some pitchers will be fine at 94. Some pitchers who are fine at 94 won't be fine at 92. Some people who throw 98 get hammered. Exactly. So... Yeah, all else considered, you know, but so making it, this is where it's like, you know, it gets squirrely. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. I think that's, that's the idea behind, uh, you know, this is why I want was, you know, sort of thinking about this approach uh, to 
a status because it's it's all squirrely. I think that the the tricky thing is that if you were measuring, if the sport was sprinting, right? If it if the if the task involved was run as fast as you can from point A to point B, and that was the entire sport, the stats would be really easy. Um, and the more complicated you make the sport, the the harder it is to find a stat because it becomes harder to identify the objective in any individual play, uh, and they, they sometimes they contradict each other, and so. And to like catcher. isolate it too. Right? I think like a physio- I think like a sports physiologist would probably be like laugh at you or uh, for suggesting that the the statistics involved in sprinting is simple. Well, they're probably speed. not. You know, they're probably like no, but they're probably like stride length and knee flexion and you know like. Well, yeah, I'll take like, the guy who I'll take the guy whose stats run the fastest. Like I, I think it, it, with something like sprinting, if you have. <laughs> Okay, but that, but that's the I'll outcome. The that is the outcome. The, you're just saying exactly. So I'm going to take the guy who scores who the team in this case who scores more runs and and gives up fewer. You're, you're yeah, I know. It's like I'm you know what what. So if you're drafting a team to play Monopoly, what, what are you going to take? I'm going to take the guys who win all the all the Monopoly games. So it's like being being the guys at the fastest speed. That's the result. Speed is the result in sprinting. Your your time to the line. That's the result. So it's different. In baseball, that's not. That's a component. That's a skill and a tool that you use to perform baseball things. In sprinting, getting out of the blocks, having an initial acceleration, having a gradual raise, like how quickly you raise up and get yourself into the wind during coming off the blocks, all these things, how, how, how quick you hit your peak, how, how long you sustain your peak. Those are the stats underneath a sprint. So take like sprint speed, the the BAM, uh, you know, track man, the stack cast, you know, running speed stuff. The, yeah, that's not the, you know, that that underneath that are all those same things, but we don't care because his sprint speed is the component of his base running. So you're, you're shifting to a different level in that example. I think it becomes just as complex and just as, you know, you know, and if you expand it to a little more realistic example where it's a track team or something with people running multiple disciplines and stuff like that, which is more baseball like, you get into this like where you're going to have the same level of complexity and potential for tracking data, biometric data, nutritional data, and all those things will be way more closely connected to the performance than they are in something like baseball, which is this high variance thing played with a, with a sphere, a stick. Does that make sense? Uh, well, I was like 12% of the way through my analogy before, <laughs> before you. Yeah. So forget that I ever brought up sprinting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so what if like Usain Bolt was playing baseball? How would you approach that? I did a piece one time about, uh, Usain Bolt playing baseball. Uh, remember, remember Ronaldo Nehemiah? No. Yes. I do remember. I Skeets. do remember. Do I, you, Harry? You you know that I uh, I frequently bring up the series that you wrote about what makes a good changeup, uh-huh. and uh, and I from years ago. Thank and you very much. I think that the um, the that series, but in, I think one piece of it in particular uh, is really what um, I mean by all of this, which, which is that. You 
I, before that, I think everybody thought, well, a, a good changeup is a slow changeup, right? The whole point is that it's a change of pace. And so what you want is to have a, a good separation between your fastball and your changeup. And that was just sort of taken for granted. And I think I always thought, well, a good changeup is one where it's like nine miles an hour of separation or 10 miles an hour if you can get it. And more is better. It's the, the whole point. And but we, I think when we look at a lot of stats that measure some aspect of the game or some specific part of the game, we have fairly simple views of like what the goal is that the players are working toward. And we, we miss that there are multiple ways to accomplish an objective and what your change up series found, or one of the things that it pointed out was that a slower change up or a bigger separation is good for getting swings and misses, but, uh, Assuming you have a good fastball. Assuming you have a good fastball, but a smaller differential is good for getting ground balls. Um, And, of course, like the Felix Hernandez changeup is like the quintessential hard changeup where he gets a lot of ground balls with it. And it, um, I mean, it's like such a fantastic insight into pitching. And I think, you know, I sort of feel like that's there with, with all this pop time is that, like, you think on first blush, you think, oh, well, it's so simple. The catcher is in a race to get the ball to the second base. We're, we've got a stopwatch. And so we can say, well, did he did he do it? But his objective is not to be fast. His objective is to get the runner. And that starts, um, you know, with uh, from, from the moment that, you know, the pitcher sets up on the mound and the catcher's deciding yeah. whether, you know, he should be, you know, calling a throw over or, or what, but it, you know, it involves the accuracy. It involves the way he catches the ball. It involves the way, you know, how, how much time he gives the umpire to see the ball. Uh, and, and what pitch he calls, like some guys may go into suboptimal pitch calling strategies to compensate for base running uh, risk. Yeah, absolutely. And does he, you know, is there an interplay between exchange and speed, uh, you know, uh, throwing, throwing velocity, uh, does a quicker exchange perhaps lead to, you know, a slower throw or vice versa. And so that, the objective less accurate like a really quick exchange you don't get your like that extra quarter second or yeah second to get the grip just right exactly and then you know and then there's also the question of not just is the throw going to be accurate enough to to get the runner but are you potentially risking throwing it so inaccurately that you uh have a throwing error and he gets to go to third or are you potentially putting your infielder at risk because you're going to pull him into the slide and he might get spiked or whatever so there are all sorts of these um factors that make the objective much more complicated and that small objective of throwing out the runner uh well that's only part of a much 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 larger objective what you're saying is sprinting would be better if they're allowed to cross lanes all right i got it it yeah the more complicated you make the game the more uh, the the less meaning the base statistic has exactly and right and the less i think think that's a great point it's like that's really right like pop time is important and it's going to roughly correspond with something that you think it would but then when you look at it closer you get the weird stuff and the weird stuff like you pointed out is like well the better pop times are on the successful steals but once you think that through you start to then realize that what's behind that number is something interesting about baseball. The number doesn't tell you something so much directly, but it kind of it points you at the, all the other, other factors. So, so there's kind of like this theory I had about pitching, which is that guys who have all like, – this goes back to the changeup thing. Guys who have like the attributes that we like think would create a, go, a good swing and miss changeup or a good ground ball changeup but don't have it – 
those might be like flag those guys as guys who tip the pitch by changing their arm speed. Uh, yeah. Well, that, that reminds me of like what you did with uh, catcher game calling where you're basically it, we all kind of, I think had given up on the idea that this was something that could be measured and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you basically, your, your idea was, well, let's just measure everything we can measure. And then the, big, yeah, I mean, it wasn't my idea. I mean, the middle Max is, had done it. Mitchell yeah. Lippman had done it. You know, yeah, the, that's the idea is that it's the residue of being there. That's what Jonathan judge calls it, but there are, the, but we're, but we're trying to measure the components. Like it's like, it's, a, that's a kind of interesting story. But that doesn't get us like too much, too far, which is why it's like I like trying to find what correlates with that, mm-hmm. like pacing, like you know, it's like when you ask catchers and catching coaches and catching evaluators, what you know, how can you measure game calling from the outside? How do you, how can you how can you, they, they say things like pacing? They don't talk about they don't talk about pitch sequencing and stuff like that. Like it's weird how like pacing comes up as like. If it's not necessarily a fast pace, I'm sure it's like you don't want to speed up a pitcher who likes to go slow. You don't want to slow down. So it's like who's compatible? Huh. Uh, that's like one possibility. But but again, it doesn't necessarily mean good. It just means compatible. Yeah. You know, it's so like even with that. But then there's also um, like d- do you call sequences that are interesting? Like do you do you do you call guys to pitch backwards? Do you actually call breaking pitches even though it's a steal situation? Do you call breaking pitches? Does your, does your pitcher throw pitches low in the dirt, uh, e- even when there's a man on third? Like that's kind of a trust. You have the blocking skill, but you also have the trust to, to, to call it and have the pitcher actually commit to throwing a ball in the dirt. Mm. Um, there's, you know, so many things. And the same thing with, uh, I don't know, it might be too early to do the segue. Uh, to, 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 to command. It's like, Command is like a very multifaceted thing, and you can tell some of it by looking. Some of it we maybe not, um, but it's more than one thing, and it's it may get into stuff where can you throw the same pitch the same place back to back, or the same pitch two different places back to back. More importantly, or can you throw? two different pitches to the same spot or can you tunnel something in a sequence where the first pitch backdoors and hits the side of the plate and it's for a call strike and this next one's actually fades the other way like that thing where it doesn't necessarily hit the same spot of the plate but hits the same spot in the tunnel da, 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 da. So there's all these things that like could be measured as part of a of, of pitching command and it's so much more than than things falling than, uh, than just hitting okay. the glove it's not just hitting a target. And so like we talk about like target, you know, like command effects and things like that. One of my friends who's a scout is a former coach as well, but he's all, most past several years he's been scouting for major league teams is the, he's like, that's not command. Like he, he command to him. Like you ask, what is pitching command? And it's like, you get a dissertation. So we're trying to come up with a command score. And, and but we're trying to like fill it with as many different attributes of pitching as we can come up with. And it's hard to do because we try to measure all these different things. It's like, what is command? What is approach? You, you know, like, is it throw is good? You know, 
some of the guys with the best command don't throw any strikes. So what does that mean? You know, so it's these these things are like hard to measure. But we're trying. Well, I think so. Are you uh, are you are you getting there? Do you think? Have you seen what we published? We create like a zero to one hundred scale, and I think it actually comes up pretty good. Okay, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of curious, like how close you think it 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 gets. It's never close enough. You know what I mean? But, and, and we're not we're not so far down the asymptote where, where we're at diminishing returns yet. I mean, right now it basically is: are you frameable, and you work towards corners. It's a little more complicated than that in terms of how we judge your cornering, but that's it's basically those two things, and that's not sufficient, in my so, opinion. Yeah, I was talking to um, I was talking to RJ about this the other day, and uh, we were the we RJ were Anderson from CBS. Uh, exactly. So we were. Uh, I was wondering about this, and I don't know if uh, if you have an answer for this, but uh, James Paxton is a guy who. Um, Sam, who, did you read our show notes? No. Good. So James Paxton right now is basically throwing high fastballs. Like that's his. That's that's a big part of why he's uh, you know successful right now is he's throwing high fastballs. And and RJ and I were were speculating. So you're, you're implying that his no hitter is indicative of pitching success. I mean, I, I think the 16 Ks in seven innings was better, but that's always been a that's bit true. biased opinion that I have. You're a good uh, boy. So, uh, you our... must watch Brian Kenny's show. <laughs> uh, I just like Ks. I just mm-hmm. like them. I like high K outings. Uh, I, have, but... I have the Max Scherzer Ks are sexy shirt. I recommend you get one of those also. With a high fastball, though, we were speculating that you don't probably want it on the corners, that you actually uh, want to make it look hittable. Um and that means maybe basically just throwing it right in the middle, but up, because uh, they're not going to catch up to it. The problem is the catching up more than the corners. Uh, and so it, we were wondering whether that would be a difficult thing to measure using your command we think methodology. So. <laughs> we think so, yes. Funny that you ask. What do you know? Because like, he ranks dead last. Dead last. Oh, my goodness. His command that's, score that's right slow. now. Yes, yeah. His command Thank score you. right now is 19. And the next the next guy up qualified is 32. Hmm. And it's set, so 50 is average, 100 is the like, tops. 100 should be like all time. It's kind of compressed right now, shifted a little bit, but he's like way, he's the trailer by a lot. It's mostly his inability to be framed. His called strike rate is three, negative 3%. <clears throat> that's bad. That's like, that's like a lot. So his catchers, who one of them happens to be a framing wizard, at least, um, find him not helpful. And that's not that unusual with guys with really lively stuff. Big. Someone noticed that a lot of big curve guys are on the bottom of the list, too. Hmm. Uh, a big curve, though, doesn't he? Yeah. Two, I always wonder... I always wondered Her about cutter, uh, fastball. Yeah, yeah. I always wondered about breaking balls in general because you're basically uh, throwing your. You're there's really only two locations a pitcher's usually trying to throw his breaking ball. Right, he's trying to throw it in that way out of the zone chase area, and then he's trying to throw one right over the plate to get yeah, the strike. It, it, and it varies by count for the most uh-huh. part. So yeah, so that's yeah. how we take that into account with the, with the with the CS called strike probability targets on these things. Um, like how far in and off the middle of the plate you go is based on like, did you throw a fastball on 
with no strikes, or did you throw a curveball with two strikes? Very different. Mm-hmm. Very different target. Um, so there might be a kind of a whole, you know, so there might be a bias in methodology, but it's interesting. But like the biggest problem is that he's not really frameable. Now he may be doing other things um, that make him a good command pitcher. Like he may be, he may have good command in terms of how he's able to locate pitches in a sequence, work up and down. There might be something that we're not capturing by just looking at how did this pitch do? How did this pitch do? Because there's a relationship between the command isn't just throwing one pitch. Like my, my favorite one is like the examples like you have one, it's oh one count. You just you just cut you're facing Justin Verlander. It's 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 he's he's in his peak. It's like 2011 or whatever. His pants are tight and the fastball is is, is vicious. Yummy. Yeah, so so he starts you off with a fastball that you, know, you just take. Oh, strike one. Okay, cool. Looking for another fastball, maybe a slider. Uh, and he throws, here comes something high and soft, and it drops in for, it's a curveball that he looped in for a strike. Then his next pitch, now you're kind of bumming, looks like it's going to be strike at the knees, and you swing at it, but it goes in the dirt. And it's a curveball again. But the total, and I've literally seen him throw this sequence of pitches, okay? This is, you know, this is not just completely made up. This is like a one of my favorite things about, about him when he was at his peak, that he was able to do this. And uh, like he'd show you at some point that he could locate his fastball in either one of those places, and then he'd put curveballs there. That's command. So we're, maybe that's something Paxton is doing that we are absolutely not capturing um, by just relying on his frameability and his cornering ability. So Harry, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, tunneling information is not involved in command yet. Is that right? That's correct. It is just your your call strikes above average. And then your dis- your corner distance and call strike probability how- and how it relates that the details are in the article. <laughs> Encourage the listeners to read that. Um, so, but that's not a complete thing. So what's funny is that the, the people are like, well, you don't know what the target is, you don't know where they're aiming, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, well, the video scouts don't know where the target is. Although Stats LLC is saying well, they have a good enough sense and methodology to figure out where the target is, and they've released their command stat. Our good friend Eno Sarish from The Athletic wrote about it. And he gave me a little bit of information about it just a little while ago. He may show up to talk to us if we meander enough. But we were looking at their top 10. He published in his article. And so I think that's behind a paywall, but we'll link it up anyways. Um, and uh, their number one command guy in baseball this year through, I think, Monday this Monday or last Monday, so we're a little bit out of sync in terms of when we pulled these stats. But they had Kyle Hendricks as the best. Is he a good command pitcher to you, Sam? Uh, he uh, he is to me, but of course, um, he also seems like the sort of guy that uh, if he weren't, I would think he was because how else to explain him? Right. It's, it, and, and what's that's like the catcher thing whose her name I'm can't. I'm, yeah, Nichols. Nichols Law. Nichols yeah. Law. Um, See, there, dude, that's a very important thing right there. If a guy's low velocity and he's succeeding, he must be plus command. I mean, just that's the lesson. Call it Miller's law. Um, okay, but what about Kyle Davies? Think he's good? Uh, I, I mean, if he were second, I'd be surprised. He's first for us, and he's not in the top ten for this guy these guys which is a little bit of you know so like we have like like i'm just gonna say this is one through ten and then how they rank for us yeah yeah nine i want to circle back to zach davies 
but right nine, ahead. nineteen, twenty-one, ten. So far, those are all good command guys. Sixty-four, which is around the middle of the pack. Eighty-six. Last year, this guy was in sixth place, though. Uh, Twenty-five, twelve, and six. So there's basically like we're not locking in on who the top guys are. Like that's their top ten with our rankings. And I couldn't get all the rankings. I couldn't get like we'll see if we get them at some point. We will, but maybe not in time for the recording. So it might just be on the show, uh, on the show page. But date we have our, our rankings as of today, which is a little different than last week, of course. Uh, Davies, Gonzalez, Granky, who's their tenth. I didn't mention him. Uh, Kluber, Estrada. Pausing on Estrada because I think he might be the one who people know. Okay, Degrom, Sabathia, Fister, then Hendricks and Hellickson. Yeah, I mean that. If you told me that that was either the top ten or the bottom ten, I'd definitely get it right. <laughs> well, okay, no, that's good. Yeah. So I have yeah. a question about Zach Davies. Uh, like you said, Harry, he is, uh, he's got a command score of 88 as of right now, and I believe that is tops um, for... Yeah, or tied for tops right now. Yeah. It's hard to, it's like, yeah. His, his called strike probability is super low. It's point four does not one nine five. So it, it's, it's that he nibbles or he, like, is he kind of... He's, he throws right on the edge. He throws right on the edge of the strike zone. Like he's not throwing over the plate, and he's not in like Dallas Keuchel like barely Keuchel throws. Is what I meant. Yeah, Keuchel throws like nothing in the strike zone. At least he didn't last year. He might be missing and finding his own more. But that so, that explains that. I mean, because I, I. So, but flipped. this is a great this is a great thing because like for the, our one two are our Davies and then Gonzalez. Well, Granky's tied with Gonzalez, but the call strike probabilities are forty two, fifty, and forty five for those three guys. So, I mean, you, it, it, it's not just where you throw it. It's how frameable it is. But if you look at Davies at 2.85 call strikes of the average, that's really, 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 really good. Like, that's the, you know, he's the opposite of Mr. Paxton. That's a big percentage. That's like a handful of extra strikes a game. Which is, two or three. would two explain or three the five. command score, right? Like, well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, he's, that's kind of where the benefits. But you look at their performance, I mean, Davies has a DRA of five. With that eighty-eight command, <laughs> and high. and we have a DRA of three point four, which is quite good for Paxson with his fifty-three command, or excuse me, nineteen command, which is horrible. So it's it's not just the one. It's not it just having good command isn't going to be. And DRA does not take into account command at this point. Is that correct as well? No, and it, and it should not, because command is a component score. And DRA. No, no, because command is how, not what. Okay. Yeah, you wouldn't want to put a run value on command, right? right. I mean, that, no. to, to go back to our original question. I and, the same thing. Yeah, it, the the goal of pitching is not necessarily to have command. It, like we have are, like it's very common to use fastball velocity and things, and like even DRA now has stuff about fastball velocity, and I think some. I think he tried using some of these metrics in there to see if they were predicted. I was like, don't. They're, they are in there now, and I'm and I, is listening. He's probably going to scream. But I want to take those things out because I think they may work statistically. They may benefit, but, like, theoretically, I think they're wrong because, like you just said, Sam, the goal of pitching isn't to, to throw 95. The goal of pitching isn't to tunnel. The goal of pitching isn't to get a high command score. 
the goal of pitching is to get the guys out. Well, Sam, so I think we I'm going to have my own call back here because you're uh, the last kind of element of your article was in evaluating stats is, does it tell me who's good? Does it do so better than my own eyes and, or what's already out there and how should I use that? So it's like, Harry, to your point, like it's having a good command score is great, but it doesn't like if you suck and you have a great command score, like if you're you know getting bombed, then it's not that great that you have an awesome command score. You're still getting. I mean, yeah, we have guys with DRAs of eight in the top ten on command. We have guys that want you know one five DRAs as well. But we have some of the guys who are performing worse in baseball. Like, but yeah, good command approach. <laughs> like it's not working. Yeah, I think that when if if you're gonna get exposed to fifty new stats a year, as we are these days, uh-huh. I think the most important kind of like the most responsible thing that you can do is be willing to say that the answer is no, it doesn't tell me who's good. It tells me what he's like. It tells me how he does it. It tells me something that, um, you know, is unique about him. It helps me understand, uh, who he is as a player, but in a lot of cases, in most of them, uh, the answer is not going to be, yes, it tells me who's good. And that's kind of okay. Cause we already have those stats, <laughs> which, um, you know, Pop time is not going to replace, uh, you know, the things that we already have that tell us who's really good at shutting down a running game necessarily. Yeah, but it may help us project it. Like if hey, we see a guy's pop time has gone up, yeah, we may know what that means. Problems coming down the road, mm-hmm. something like that, where they may because they may do something else to compensate for it, but that compensation can only last so long, or takes longer for the league to catch up to the number or whatever. But again, like I think a lot of these things are interesting either as direct inputs to projections or as uh, indirect in terms of identifying who your comparables are. Can I, uh, Harry, I have a, I have the world's greatest. Um, uh, well, I guess I, I have a request. I want you to solve a baseball mystery for me. Uh, and I'm just going to throw it out there and then you can come back in eight months and, and okay. win the Pulitzer for it. But uh, you know, that thing about how, um, we all know this, like a pitcher throws a pitch that's uh, not, the, you know, that's close, but he doesn't get the call. He's walked two batters in the inning or whatever. And the broadcaster will inevitably say, well, if you're not around the strike zone, he's not going to give you that call or the reverse. If you are around the strike zone, he's going to give you that call. Right. We've heard that 80 million times. Yeah, we know that's not true. Just looking at called strike probability. The, 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 there's a correlation between called strike probability and called strikes above average is like it's a cloud. It's not really. Like there's a little bit, but it's not a big heavy thing well, across the population. Within my, a pitcher, maybe it may it may vary within a pitcher's performance. All right. So my hypothesis is that in fact it's exactly the opposite. That if you are wild in an inning, the umpire starts looking for strikes to give you. Now the problem is that you're probably missing your targets by a lot, and so they're not going to be presented well, and you know you're not going to get those calls because that's not how it works. But if we already know this is true. Well, prove it better for me. so that I We can have it. We have, we have the strike zone increases after every ball. You throw a ball, the strike zone gets bigger the next count. We already know it. Yeah, that's, that is true within the count. That is, we absolutely know that. I want, it, I want this bulletproof because I think even if you walk <laughs> the guy and it, a new batter starts, then I think you're still going to get a bigger strike zone. And the reason I think this, I think that this is like sort of an anchoring effect where you're throwing the pitch that's wild 
the umpire's like, oh, well, that's definitely wild. And then you throw a pitch that's a little closer, and he's like, well, that one looks better, and he calls a strike. And the opposite is true as well. If you throw a pitch that's a strike, and then the next one is worse than that one, he doesn't want to give it to you because he thinks this guy's throwing a worse pitch than what was a strike. That's a, just a hypothesis. But I think that it, even independent of, of the count, which obviously affects the size of the strike zone a great deal, I think even independent of that, umpires uh, look for strikes for wild pitches, wild pitchers, and uh, get stingy with uh, strike throwers. It's a totally un like no evidence whatsoever. This I've developed this hypothesis. Over I, I know like the, da- the data that like the the that doesn't pass the sniff test with the existing data. Beyond the beyond like I I don't think because the called strike probability to frameability relationship isn't really a thing. Yeah. What so I need to if to it's do there, is... it's going to be a very weak signal. It's going to be hard to pull out because so much of this is going to be you're look, you basically have to make a hypothesis that it's like across at bats or something. Like you have to be yep. specific about it. Like eliminate all these, like well, you've measured all these things. We know that, but does it hold up even then? Yeah. I mean, that's, that becomes a separate question. All and I'm that, gonna guess that we probably have already accounted for it somehow. Yeah, I guess. All that aside, I need you to prove it anyway. Well, I mean, you can't prove yeah you know, things like that that like cleanly. Yeah, whatever. Like you drop an apple and say that's gravity. I mean, it's like whatever it takes, Harry. I've, it's a it's a challenge that I, I could only ask. That's not how you approach research to look for a specific answer. You ask questions. But I hear you it questions. so You don't much, seek Harry. answers. Well, I agree that there's something <laughs> wrong with it. The notion that, you know, it makes a difference. You know, that guy is throwing strikes or not throwing strikes. I mean, it's like he's either easy to call his pitches or not. Um, we know umpires tend to be benevolent. So maybe there's bias against younger pitchers. Maybe there's a bias against guys who come in late in the game and start throwing balls. And it's like, no, we want to get out of here. This game is almost over. Now you're coming and slowing it down. So I'm going to, I'm going to find you some strikes. So I think it's like maybe found in. Yeah, okay, I can see maybe something there. I got it. All right. I wrote it down. I recorded it. Anytime somebody mentions this to me, I'm just going to quote Harry saying, uh, maybe there's something there. I say that. I can say Harry that about everything. Said. <laughs> like, did you see that thing in the, in, right above the trees? Yeah, nah, maybe something's there. I don't know. So, well, that's, now we've that's, got that's, recorded, you, so. yeah, it recorded. So, recorded. We hope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this time it is. This I time check. for sure. All right, Sam. Uh, yeah, I think we're probably uh, we've we've uh, rung we've, we've rung the rag out. <laughs> we've, it's, we've allowed this to go long enough. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thank yeah, you, Sam. It's good to talk to you. It's been too long, sir. It's been a while. Although, you know, we're all on Twitter. Yeah, I try not to stay on Twitter too much. Run away. Less than less than before. Less than before. Um, but yeah, keep this. I like this approach to uh, maybe want to go down for somewhere lower than eleven uh, categories. Um, something like three to five might be easier to manage. But I like I, I like the notion that band. you're trying to like, but I, I like that you have like a um, 
without giving away too much, there's like, cause there's someone who's been working on a piece of this nature, this, but like the system systemic way of looking at baseball metrics and what does it do? What is it? What does it not do? And does it do what it claims to do is another thing, you know, I think it's a handy frame to, you know, I actually wrote down the list of questions um, and I think I'll refer back to it because I think it's just like a handy thing to be like, okay, as I'm, as I'm like personally, I'm learning about different stats and different things and expanding my understanding. I think that that's helpful to ask these questions, even of things that like you might take for granted. Um, You know, if somebody hasn't been spending years and years, um, digging into WOBA or whatever, like to, to be able to go back and ask the questions of things that you maybe have taken for granted. I think it's a, I think that's a, a valuable thing. So appreciate that, Sam. Ah, thank you. And when I finish this study on, um, on part benevolence, you'll finish your sprinting analogy. Uh, <laughs> I'll, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll work on an article about a sp- my sprinting analogy. Uh, okay. Okay. We'll stay tuned for that, Sam. Thanks for coming on, bud. (laughs) Anytime. Thank you, Sam. All right. Bye-bye. You said bye-bye. Bye-bye. Did I say bye-bye? Is that weird? It just feels like, did you you stop recording before you said bye-bye? Oh, I can edit it all out, Sam. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. You don't usually hear bye-bye. Wow. We're we're, We're like a discount airline. Thanks again to Sam Miller for coming on to talk about statistics evaluation and various other things. And uh, we look forward to hearing about sprinting at some point. In eight, in eight months. Future knowledge exchange. Yes. If I'm, if I'm allowed back. <laughs> Speak up, Harry. I can't hear you. Um, <laughs> Uh, so Giving yeah. a conflicting direction. <laughs> I'm like a good. Uh, I'm a good director, right? Uh huh. This way. So no, that, that was. Way. That no, was don't helpful. do it like that. Yeah. So we. Yeah. That was. Um, there's so many more things we could talk about. On like we could literally have a conversation about every baseball stat using either the frame. You know, a framework. Yeah. Like Sam. Yeah, whether it's that specific one or, or not, just kind of looking at the questions that he presents in that article and that we talked through a little bit. Uh, I think it's super, super helpful and super interesting to just like a thought experiment and a, like a personal knowledge building. And 11 simple categories. Yeah, very easy to keep track of. Uh-huh. And that's just Work like on a sub of one question. So. <laughs> Super simple little rubric that you can use for evaluating. But that's a challenge. We should, let's put that. That's something that maybe that people can use the email or Twitter for. Uh, come up with their frameworks or yeah, taxonomies. You know, I'm well, curious because that's a, yeah, that would, that how do you look at stats? How do you evaluate? Like when you're looking yeah. at a stat, how do you evaluate it? Um, shoot us an email: stolen underscore signs at baseballperspectus dot com or hit us up on Twitter at stolen underscore signs and um we'd love to hear about it if we get anything and if we get anything good 
Uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll follow up on that uh, next episode. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Anything so this going has been on interesting. Baseball? Yeah, you know, um, there's there's a lot of things going on. <laughs> Any new players that you like? Him? I well, I mean, Matt Harvey's on the Reds. He was not on the Reds last time we talked. Super weird. Um, that's kind of weird. Uh, Shohei Otani is like we frequent show topic. Like Still I think good. we've had two episodes about <laughs> him primarily, and now it's probably the fourth or fifth. Like the the, the word cloud for the show is pretty much Otani. Yes. Um, he's very good. Very good at baseball. He's now up to hitting second in the order, so it's Trout followed by Otani. And literally, there's a game on right now. He'll be up in a minute. Um, he's doing, he's doing it. Like he, he's freaking doing it, and it's doing. He's doing it's good. He's good. He's so it's, I've, it's, I've, it's happening. It's, it's happening. <laughs> I've seen conversations and people talk about like, okay, this is all great and it's super cool and like once in a lifetime kind of thing, but how long is it really going to last? Like, are the angels really going to let him do this all season? And what I'm like, you, what are, what why do not? Think? Like, yes. Hell yes. Why, would, why the hell wouldn't you? Yeah. Like I, I haven't understood that like, line. It's working. <laughs> it's yeah. working. So, and, and he's 23. Right. Yeah. And he's even had some injuries and he's had to take time off. Um, he's it's he's everything's fine like it's really impressive how well he's he's playing yeah and he's you know i'm sure he's gonna have some more like he's had some bad starts and he's had some bad hit you know bats and it's just gonna be that way but overall he's just fantastic yeah i mean he's not no nobody's going out there and mowing people down except maybe max scherzer like every single game you know so Garrett Cole's been nasty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Scherzer and Cole, but anyway, like, but yeah, no, yeah, no, he's been up there like among, you know, he's, he's been a good starting pitcher and he's also been a good hitter, like better than good. Yeah. He's been better than good. And his stuff is nasty. I mean, like his pitching performance is fun because he's wrist. He, he's, his stuff is gross and he, and he's a big, huge dude. And he, he doesn't seem to like work very physically hard. Yeah. Th- th- those kind of pitchers are always a pleasure to watch. Just like some guy who's like <laughs> free and easy and, and just yeah. throwing mm-hmm. gas. Like super fun. And he's, he's a big, he, it's like, that's the thing that struck me is his size. Mm-hmm. He, he's, 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 a, he's a large guy. He's definitely not, uh, it, he's a, he's a, He's also got crazy flexibility. People have been showing this good basing, put yeah. his elbows together in mm-hmm. front of his body, mm-hmm. like with his backs of his hands against his hips. Yes. You can t- and they'll tuck him into his knees and put them all the way together. Find the video, kids. Uh, so he's a real incredible, unusual athlete in so many ways. I mean, and it's so... We were at all the anticipation. It's been, it's been a joy. It's like watching him and... Trout, and then of course you had Pulls going for three thousand hits, which he has now surpassed. Uh, it's been a lot of fun watching Angels broadcasts because there's talent, <laughs> yeah, and, and history. Like, right. Pulls doesn't have so much talent anymore. But right now, it's Verlander against Otani. Otani's over two tonight. So, Pretty good matchup. Yeah, this is a great. You know, this is this is the big time stuff. It was Cole last night, and now Verlander tonight. So here we are. 
So that's, you know, Otani's worked out. That's been, I think, the biggest thing in baseball. Um, So another thing. Cano got dinged. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up. Like, Like he broke his hand and then got suspended for taking a diuretic. Right. That's banned. The masking Masking agent. agent. Yes. So I've read and seen in multiple outlets. For for some reason, I thought that outlets was not the right word, but it is multiple outlets, right? Publishing. I think that sounds right. Yeah. Outlet outlet malls. Yeah, outlet malls. Multiple outlet malls. Um, But outlets. Electrical outlets. I think you're saying it right. Yeah. I am saying it right. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That the Cano's Hall of Fame candidacy is is in jeopardy, and you know, like, oh boy, it's like, what? I I do not understand that. Um, really? I feel like that Hall of Fame voters, whenever Robinson Cano is going to be eligible on the ballot, will have already put so many, or I don't know about so many, but like enough people in the Hall of Fame that have some sort of PED or, you know, shady background in the Hall of Fame that it's, it's I don't understand how that would matter. Mm. I think he's a no okay, doubt I Hall see, of Famer. I, I think. Oh, see, I, th- I think. I think second baseman tend to get under shafted. Considered. I mean, Gritch and Kent didn't really, even, you know, get looked at. Moment of silence um, for Lou Whitaker. There's so there's kind of a. But he seems like you look at when you look at his stats, it's like oh yeah, totally. So, but I think so. That I I already felt like. With, without any of this stuff happening, that there was going to be difficulty. Like, really? he wasn't going to be a slam dunk case. There He's were people done, who say he, he. There were people who were going to say that he, you know, wasn't a superstar or whatever, wasn't and wasn't a hustling player. There's all sorts of, like, coded language and stuff that goes on around players like him. So there's, there's like, definitely a. Uh, I don't think he was a slam dunk. You throw this on top of it, I think you you you. Now you're kind of right that I mean that there's. I, I don't think it's going to be to the extent that you you imply where it's just going to be like done done and dusted. You know we don't worry about it anymore. We've gotten used to it. I think you will have fewer hardliners. Yeah. On it, I still think you will have people who reduce. I think people simply look at it as a factor. It'll make it harder. Yeah, it, I, it, I can buy that, but. Yeah, I don't. I think I, he's a slam dunk Hall of Famer, no matter. Like, I don't. I you know what? Maybe. Part of my keyboard, people. <laughs> um. It, oh, great! Now I just as I was looking for this, looking, to, I, I wanted to go look at his jaws, and I saw a headline that Brian Cashman is implying that they, they suspected him of, of using pads earlier. What? So this that's that's not helpful. Uh, That's so not Jaws, cool either. Jaws, 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 Jaws. Yeah, he's like way up there in Jaws. Like, should be no problemo. But yeah, yeah, so he's between Rod Carew and Ryan and Ryan Sandberg. But so is Gritch. So, and he got like no consideration. So is Otley. Lou Whitaker's not that far behind Cano in his career numbers. Jaws is like just two and a half wins separate. So he would be an above-average Hall of Famer, um, but boy, oh boy, oh boy, 
I don't think any second base, when you look at the history of Gritch and Whitaker did a, and Kent and Randolph, never, a lot of these guys didn't get real consideration. So let me go back to what the, what is this? What did you say, Mr. Cashman? I, yeah, so I guess uh, that's that's helpful. So there you go. He's got the cloud. The second baseman, he's going to have the cloud of PDs around him. I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think I mean he's got more work to do for sure, but like he's got sixty-seven wins above replacement. I'm just like looking at the jaws. No, I know he's really he's, yeah. No, he's, he's right. He's he's knocking on Rodgeru's door. I know you look at those. You look at the numbers and it's slam dunk. But you also look at the history, you know, of the voting and it's not rational at that position. Yeah. yeah. And then you add this in and. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think he should be. <laughs> I agree with yeah, you in I terms just, of like, what his contribution was. Just mainly game, reacting to the the. Oh, his Hall of Fame chances are blown. Like they've took they've taken a hit, taken a hit. But I mean, of course, it's not over. A hit, but, but I don't think like I mean, like you say, well, like with second baseman, like either he was going to get in or he wasn't. And I don't know. Maybe uh, anyway. I just thought no, that we'll that was out. a little, little extreme. Yeah, we'll see what happens after he returns. Some guys seem to rehabilitate their image without any difficulty. So, D. Gordon, D. Gordon, David Ortiz, Alex Rodriguez. So, mm, people still hate Aaron. I even don't. Though, I used to, but I don't. Yeah, he's now more popular than Jeter. Which yeah, is talk about the heel turn. Go figure. Yep. Right, this is a long episode. We should let these poor souls go. Yep. 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 We're brutalizing yep. you. We're sorry. But anyways, it's been a while. We're going to recover the lost episode, maybe. No, we're not. Goodbye, baseball! Goodbye, baseball!